guys, welcome back to another episode of the English Happy Hour Podcast. Today, we've got an interesting episode. We talk about a few different things, uh, including a top 100 fishery ranking from Abu Garcia. We ask, are rubber or silicone skirts better on jigs? And we talk in depth about sight fishing. Baits, tips, some funny stories. Uh, we got a bunch to unpack, so I hope you guys enjoy. Gillies Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules, TerraTrack, AT2, and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of trucker trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. The record button always starts and we always get real awkward, but welcome back to the show, everybody. <laughs> We're coming at you from all different places. Um, I have no idea where Nick's at. He's just a black screen. Rob is in his uh, workout room and uh, I'm sitting in my truck. So, um, Hopefully this, hopefully our, our audio quality sounds okay, and hopefully we're able to give you guys a full episode. We're just um, typically I have Wi-Fi when I when I'm at tournaments, and this week there's no Wi-Fi, so I purchased a plan to get Wi-Fi in my truck, and it seems like it's working well. But um, we'll see how this goes. So, anyways, uh, welcome back to another episode, and uh, we've got a list, a long list of uh, cool stuff to talk about today. But before we go too deep, let's let's see what's going on. Rob, I know you just had a a pretty cool trip, man. Yeah, we went up to Sedona. It's uh, probably the busiest little vacation place in Arizona. It's takes you uh, 30 minutes to drive uh, two miles. So <laughs> we, fun. we got to town and we're like, this is this is not good. Bad uh, idea. <laughs> yeah, terrible idea. All the trailheads. I mean, you got to just beg to get a parking spot. It's it's not great, but the place is absolutely beautiful. And we uh, rented a really cool place and Instead of going out to restaurants, we went to the grocery store and spent too much money on a bunch of really good meat and uh, grilled and had, it was awesome. So we had a good time just hanging out there. Rob, did those uh, roundabout intersections back up to the point where like, it was it that busy? I've spent like hours just trying to go through a freaking roundabout through Sedona. <laughs> yeah, the roundabouts, I mean, everything was flowing, but literally when we got into town, we were, or to the edge of town, we we're like nine miles from the our VRBO and and my wife's like, it says 45 minutes. Yeah. And that's oh. just the reality of that place. But <laughs> you can uh, walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was cool that play is so beautiful, dude. And the mountain biking is phenomenal. So we did a little bit of that. We hiked a little bit and um, pretty much just hung out and relaxed, which I haven't done in a long time. So it's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. That's so, cool. Sedona is a, it's a very unique place, man. It's, yeah. you know, some people say it's like, you know, Arizona's second natural wonder, obviously behind the Grand Canyon, but it's a, it's an amazing spot. Rob, really did is. you like get your aura red? Were you rubbing crystals and like doing yoga and stuff? Of course. Why else would you go there? Is that why you're so peaceful? I see a nice yeah. little glow coming yeah. over you. It's just your, your aura has been cleansed, your chakra. No, we could have literally done what we did there here at home if we had a kitchen, just stayed at home and not done anything. But. And then just make like a picture of red rocks taped right. to your window and be like, look at that beautiful view. Right. <laughs> but the, um, the bummer of the trip is my buddy was, um, he was going to leave early on Friday morning, go pick up his brand new boat. Mm -hmm. And due to COVID, 
the boat came in the wrong color. No the, way, dude. So the salesman did not blame it on COVID, but he, but it was really because of that. The poor dude, like, so he, <laughs> he got it into the, um, into the order. However, what would you call that? When the you queue? Get you get it into the queue and you uh-huh. put just white boat. So he put <laughs> all white. white boat just, and then when he once less got his actual colors, to him he put him in but he had covid he was at home so he did it remotely and they didn't take so here shows up this white boat it just did straight he, up did he take it no he did not he refused oh! so i mean dude here's the deal it's it's so different than like any new boat i've ever gotten like oh okay that color's a little bit wrong i'm gonna get rid of it in a year right uh-huh like this is a boat he's gonna have for 10 or 15 years so yes. it's so what's a couple months right and that's just a bummer yeah i mean it's i I don't blame him at all for not doing it i just know you were all fired everyone yes uh, the whole circle of friends you got like (laughs) you know those less was excited because i know he's ready to get the boat alex is ready to go fishing with him i know you were ready to go fishing with him that's that sucks so so this dealership is i consider him pretty stand up because not only one did he admit it was 100 percent his fault um, wouldn't blame COVID, but it was kind of the reason. Um, uh, two, he's upgrading less to a 2020, 2022 boat. Nice. So he'll get that in June. So he's getting a year newer boat, uh, hooking him up with a hydraulic jack plate. He's getting some options that nice. he would not have gotten. So whatever, it is what it is. And in the long run, he'll never forget that, or he'll never remember that three months. But had yeah. he taken it in 10 years down the road, he'd be like, man, it's just not what I picked. Yeah, so, dude, did it just look like a true. like a flats like a saltwater flats boat? Everything was no, just white. it wasn't. It, it was like probably what you would just their standard white and I don't. It's a beautiful okay. boat, dude. Don't get me wrong. Like oh, I'd but if you're gonna shell out the it. coin for a sweet new boat, you want to like you, you want your boat. Colors. I get it. Yeah, no, I totally. Get and it. I so I think I suggested to Josh a couple years ago to to put like a dark color on the inside of your boat. Did I do that, Josh, or I, or you just did it? Whatever. You probably did. You probably did, but, and then I took credit for it. <laughs> but just because, like, when you have a white interior in your boat, you're always – rod tips make marks, boots True. make marks. They're a pain in the butt to keep clean. Um, and I suggested that to Les, and that was the one thing he did, um, you know, that was a, a big deal to him. So That makes whatever. sense, dude. It, yeah. Your boat looks so dirty. Like, And I did. I got lazy a couple years, and this is how – spoiled and lazy i am with boats but i was like whatever i don't want to take the time to go through the process of custom color just give me the most basic template and then the inside of the boat was white and dude you had shoe scuff marks all over the place and not the end of the world and the white looks good when it's clean but uh i wasn't about to to scrub the yeah the inside of it every time you wipe down the outside and you move on but yeah the black interior or not necessarily black but darker is the way to go yep yep that makes sense well that's hilarious dude yeah unbelievable but you know at least they they took the blame and and they're making it right so it's all good nice well and they'll get some they'll get positive momentum out of that as a dealership absolutely in this day and age i was just saying that boat's already sold (laughs) i guarantee that boat's sold i guarantee he's got a guy lined up for it so yeah yeah very cool Cool. how about you nick what uh, what's up your way bro Oh, it's too bad that you can't see me. I'm coming to you from a different solar system right now. That's why it's all black. We're struggling with the technical difficulties. But I wore a collared shirt. We're actually recording this um, not at 3 a.m. like normal on Sunday. It's uh, 
it's like noon Arizona time. So I thought I'd dress nice for you guys just to class up the joint, but it's all. So he says, dude, this is a nice shirt. I I wish you could see it. It's really nice. I'm I'll, I'll take a picture for you and text you, but such a nice shirt. It's dude. So we're, you know, we're like 347 days into the longest spring break ever, even though it's only been like eight or nine days. It's uh, it's been a good week, but um, we got out on the water with the whole unit one day and, uh, Rob, when you and Boyd were, when Boyd was, you know, second, third grade age, or maybe sometime in that realm, did he ever pull a 180 on you and start saying like, I don't really like fishing anymore. and I don't want to go to the lake. Have you ever Ooh. endured that with him? I know he likes to fish now. Um, no, but I think he's the, the odd one. He just, he always loved fishing. So I was it's very funny because my that. kid, my, my oldest, my daughter is like a super people pleasing personality. And so I finally teased it out of her. My wife had tipped me off that, uh, they don't really like to go to the lake with me anymore, but they're too polite to be like, no, thanks dad. Like, I don't want to go. So like we loaded no up. No way. Oh, oh dude. Well, we you're raising up. some nice kids, dude. Cause most kids do the fact that your kids are that polite to their dad ridiculous well it was yeah I, I guess so thanks for the compliment but I, I wish it would just been honest dude because it's like i'm so spoiled now that i go to the lake by myself or like with a buddy and it's like maybe there's a i don't know like a granola bar somewhere that you could eat in like an old water bottle or something i don't know but with my kids it's like i bring a bunch of stuff so they have a good time so i wish it would have just cut to the chase and been like hey by the way like we could just stay home and play video games or something i don't know like so it's funny we went all the way to bartlett and uh we're having a good time and i got to the you know the turn off there to go down the the winding road and they had one of those electric signboards that said the jojoba uh ramp is closed today for uh parking lot paint striping and i thought mm. oh well we're pretty committed now at this point so we drove all the way down there and yeah sure enough the ramp was closed and then the uh other ramp up the lake at yellow cliffs was closed and so we were just hitting one obstacle after the other. And I was tempted to just maybe unhook the trailer and just let it roll into the lake and call it a day and <laughs> there you go. call my insurance agent. But we persevered and we got on the water and it was fun. How did you get on the water? You launched off the beach? Uh, we ended up, so we should have, we ended up twisting the arm of the guy at the marina and uh, he let nice. us use their ramp. And, you know, my, my dad is kind of a path of least resistance guy. So he broke out his wallet and, one of those deals are like start putting twenties in someone's hand until they say that's enough and you can use our ramp. And so nice. it was more than I wanted to pay, but it's all good. He was, he was taking care of us like that. And the, so karma came back around. My old man caught a, a little fish off the beach and, uh, and then he caught another one. Cause with the kids, you just go right to the bank and let them throw rocks and do those things. I found that if I, if I milk that process with them, then I can usually get a little bit of fishing time for myself after letting them have fun. Nice. So I did that. I let him do the beach thing. And then after about two hours, it's like, okay, let's get on the boat and you know, whatever, play with your rocks that I'm going to fish. Dude, all of a sudden out of nowhere, my daughter came down with like a migraine and she started like puking off the side of the boat and she got oh my really goodness. So then I had to leave and I teased her the whole way home. I was like, now I know you don't like fishing. Cause when I have to, when it's my turn to fish, you just randomly get sick and, and you fake it. So she's got a pretty good sense of humor, but wow. suffice to say, I'm ready for spring break to you know, be in the history books and ready to go back to catching nothing on my boat by myself. Nice. I'm sure your kids have had enough of you too, bro. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that's good. Everyone will be happy again here in a couple of days. <laughs> it's funny, but true. Uh, 
That's cool. That's so cool you got you? out, dude. And in the pictures, they looked happy anyways. It looked like everyone had a good time. Yeah, they know how to fake it. It's cool. It's cool your dad get you bring your dad along too. I mean, it's it's awesome to have three generations on a boat. Anytime you can do that, that's that's yeah. great. It's a special day. You know, in my regular style, I'm downplaying it. I had a wonderful time and I think everyone did too. But when I finally got them to admit that uh, they were mostly just going to appease me, I, uh, I didn't let that die. <laughs> nice. Well, that's awesome, dude. Um, glad you got out and uh, shoot over here. I think the last time we talked, it was like the day before I, I left town. Um, drove over, I'm fishing the MLF BPT tournament at Rayburn right now. It's the first tournament of the year. And today, actually, um, Group A is on the water. So they seed the anglers randomly, Group A and B. And um, that's how things start off. Group A fishes the first day, B fishes the second day. So we practiced the last two days. Today is my day off. And then tomorrow the tournament starts. Um, leading up to the tournament, I was at Toledo Bend a couple of days. I essentially had to do some kind of like guide trips for a sponsor of mine, Anderson's Maple Syrup. Uh, a couple of folks had entered contests and, and the winners of the contest, you know, got a fishing trip and some other prizes. And uh, what's interesting is like, we all saw the crazy cold weather that Texas got a oh, month yeah. ago. We talked about it at length and I get to Toledo Bend and I'm not quite sure what to expect. I'd been watching the weather, but I knew it was cold. I'm like, oh, you know, they'll probably be pre-spawn, but we'll see if there's anything, you know, trying to, trying to root around up shallow. Toledo Bend also for reference is 30 minutes from Rayburn. They're sister lakes. They're right next to each other. So when uh -huh. one is doing something, typically the other's in the same phase. Dude, the water temp was 70. Whoa. Um, and there's a wave of bedfish up spawning. Caught 25 nice. fish on a wacky worm. You know, it was just like, nice. it was straight up springtime spawn. spawn fishing. And the next day, similar thing, catch a bunch on a wacky worm. And then in the middle, we had some clouds and some weather rolling in. And dude, in the middle of this bay, the fish just start blowing up. So we go over there and we catch schooling fish for like an hour and a half. Whoa. Wow. It, it was like just awesome fishing. 70 degree water, just great springtime fish. And those fish that were schooling weren't even thinking about spawning yet. They were going to spawn in another month, but there was a, there was a wave up. So wow. I'm like, dude, Rayburn's going to be awesome. The tournament weights are great at Rayburn. And then, so on, that would be Wednesday. Uh, yeah, Wednesday, we move over to here to Rayburn. Uh, we check into our rental house. We got Thursday off and practice starts Friday. Okay. Well, wet soon as we finish fishing on Wednesday, we some weather starts rolling in and the cold front of the spring hits, of course. As always, every single tournament, like you can just count on it like clockwork. But the, the weird <laughs> thing is the timing of this, like in relation to the phase that the fish were in, it like, it stopped everything on a dime. Like a fish, a wave of fish is stuck up on their beds, freezing their butts off not biting anything. And there are a bunch of fish that were staging pre-spawn that are also stuck exactly where they were at. The water temps have now dropped to, I couldn't, when we got on Rayburn, they were down to 60. The first Whoa. day of practice, by the second day of practice, they were like 55, 56, wow. 57. Today at Toledo Bend, they were 53, 54. So it's, it's unbelievable. And the other thing is there's been a heavy North wind. So like, uh. even if you have some sun, 
which it's been cold sun. But even if you have sun, if it's calm, the water Shallow. warms in the afternoon. But it's consistently piped wind from the north and blown it into a lot of the spawning bays and pockets um, and parts of Rayburn. So all that to say, um, it's made fishing way tougher, man, way tougher. Like I, I came into this thinking it might take like 50 pounds a day to make the knockout round. And we can see the score tracker right now. And we're sitting here at uh, 2.30 on the first day of competition. And, and you can get a gauge. Like I'm going to know roughly what I'm going to need tomorrow to stay in the hunt. And it's going to take like, I don't know. It Right now, before I got on with you guys, the cut line was at like six pounds, which is like Whoa. two, three fish. at, uh, And these are over two pounds, right? So you might catch, yeah. you know, you might catch 15 and only catch a few over two. But there's a few guys catching them you know, a couple guys around 30 pounds, but dude, it's, this front has done so much damage. So, um, kind of interesting. That's a long sob story for me, but it's just interesting to see. I can tell you guys what I did in practice with all this in mind. So I, I talked about in practice, I wanted to find some of those early warming areas, some areas where there would be a lot of fish moving up to bed. A lot of these areas have been hit by the wind and they've got cold water. So I spent a lot of my practice, once I kind of figured out how cold things were going to get, I backed off and started fishing that, that hydrilla that you fish in the pre-spawn. I did a lot of lipless cranking, jerk baits, vibrating jigs and stuff in that five to 10 foot hydrilla. And um, that's, it's been semi-productive. I definitely, uh, I'm going to be doing plenty of that tomorrow. And then also once the wind kind of consistently blew for a few days out of the north, I found some protected bays and pockets on the super far north end of the lake that just didn't they cooled off a lot but they didn't have the wind piping right into them and the water's still like 61 in those areas and mm. i've had some bites up there so that's just going to get better hopefully between the two of those deals i can i can make it work and, and survive until it heats up a little bit so so as quick as it went bad it can go good right like I, it'll well, it, it'll take a flip-flop and just warm up as quick as it cooled off right when you get that weather yes yeah. 100%, and you, dude. is that in the forecast what do you have in the forecast kind, uh, not, kind of but not really like today yeah. again this morning the the air t it was like 38 this morning tomorrow's like 43 in the morning and then Oof. like the high of 60 something and heavy wind yeah. again yeah. And then it warms up a little bit, but then we got rain and clouds. So it just depends, I think, a lot on how much the sun comes out. It's going it, to, you're right, it's going to turn on like a light switch. I just don't know if I'm going to be here for it. Hopefully, yeah. well, hopefully, hopefully by the end of the week. And we got a full moon coming too. So it could be, yeah. oh. dude, it could get nuts if the weather would stabilize on that full moon, especially after they've got all this pent up frustration of sitting there <laughs> not doing anything for a week, right? Yeah. T talk about like the difference between those reservoirs out there compared to say, not just Arizona, but some of the Western reservoirs that are, you know, bigger, deeper lakes that, that Good point. I mean, I, I think our lakes swings, here, you, dude? you don't just cause there's so much water volume. I don't think it, uh, one, it doesn't warm up as fast and two, it doesn't cool down as fast. So you're totally I mean, right. Yeah. You might see it drop two degrees or something, but it never, you never see this. I mean, a 15 degree swing water temp swing is uh, hard to fathom, man. It's, it's yep. it, over a few days and it's not like it, the weather was in the teens, but it went from being 75 every day to back nights back in the thirties. And then that heavy wind. And it was interesting, like just from launching the boat, the first morning of practice, the water's like 60. And then that wind just 
pours into these areas, pours into the, and it's churning water up from the bottom of the lake, that cold water, and it's pushing mm. it into these bays and it just got colder and colder and colder. So who knows how it's going it, to, you know, when it's going to switch and flip, but uh, kind of gnarly, uh, you know, you can tell I'm already working on my excuses, but I'm ready, <laughs> I'm ready to, to catch them, dude. But um, <laughs> that's just the reality of what we're dealing with. Right. And, and like, it's yep. a good reminder too, like, you show up to a lake like Sam Rayburn and you're expect, you see the tournament weights that, that people typically catch and you go out there and you don't just instantly start catching five and six pounders and you think you suck and you think you're doing something wrong, but dude, that's just the reality of the bite right now. And it'll turn around. But, and then, and then it was extra reaffirming to me. I still was nervous. Like I said, I mean, I caught 12 or 15 fish a day in practice not a ton of big ones, you know, you know, several scoreables a day, but not, not like 30, you know, and uh, I was afraid I was going to turn score tracker on this morning and see like the cut line is like 25 fish for 59 yeah. pounds. And it was far from that. So uh, definitely makes me feel a little bit more loose going into tomorrow. Nice. Good. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's the remnant. So all my family in Wyoming, um, about a week ago now, they had just one of the just hellbender uh, springtime blizzards that they get from time to time where they got like 40 inches of snow over a couple days and the wind <clears throat> never stopped blowing 40 to 60 miles an hour. And uh, I wonder if that's some of the remnants of that. My aunt has a, a ranch where they have, I don't even know how many, like 1,500 or 2,000 head of, of uh, sheep. And she was showing pictures of how that snow just like came so fast that now they're out there with all their, you know, tractors and heavy equipment, finding out where all their livestock, you know, oh. they have some heads of cattle too. And so they're, you know, they're going out to find them. And dude, she has this picture. I'll, I'll post it if it seems like it's interesting enough to everyone. But dude, this huge congregation of antelope, because they're getting ready to, you know, do their version of calving, which I think those are called fawns. But, you know, so like those bass stuck on beds, dude, all those antelope are ready to do their thing at springtime. And the weather went back down to 25 degrees. The wind blew 50 mile an hour. You know, they got 40 inches of snow. So she has this picture of like 100 antelope. And she said you could go up and touch them by hand because they're so stressed and just freaked out. So, dude, imagine what those fish went through, right? Like they just got at some point they know it's coming, but they don't have the weather channel to say, okay, in 10 days, it's fixing to get hairy. It's probably like a day before they pick up on it and then yes. it just, it pounds them. So they just stop. They just stop what they're doing and sit there, dude. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, it's obviously everything's going to eat if you put a piece of pizza in its face, but it's not good. <clears throat> yeah. It's not going to go into the other room to eat a piece of pizza. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. it's crazy, Spe man. Speaking of antelope, Game and fish uh, antelope or, or pronghorn and elk draws came out this week. Uh -huh. And, of course, we drew nothing. But oh, you, right. get, you get on the portal, and I just put Boyd in for a bonus point, and I put my wife in for a bonus point, which just goes on to the next year. But sent, they had all kinds of IT issues with their system. And oh, perfect. Uh, you open up the portal, and it says, oh, you have been drawn. You are going to be hunting this fall. <laughs> And then the hunt number is the bonus point. It's just because you, it's like, Psych. dude, I'm like taking photos of it. I'm sending it to everyone. I'm like, sweet. And then I start digging in. I'm like, oh man. So that happened to everybody that yes. had a bonus point. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they had some for... nice calls. That sounds fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. 
Uh, well, it sounds like you can go pronghorn hunting on my aunt's ranch. Um, and you could probably use like a lasso and then do it like Rambo style with a knife around their neck. I think they're pretty yeah, I'm not, vulnerable. I'm not down with that. I don't think I want to walk up to them and pet them and then shoot them. <laughs> Seriously, <but>. Fred. <laughs> it's about what it'd be like no Chicago murder or something. Wow. <laughs> I just think, I think they're winter grounds. They get, I mean, the elk are very, I mean, you can damn near walk up to the elk in their winter grounds too, up in those you know in that part of the country so yeah yeah that's that's why they don't have seasons that time of year thank goodness you bet dude it'd be a slaughter yep Yep. didn't realize that that's cool nick well yeah i'd like to see the pick um got a uh, question from a uh, listener we'll uh we'll throw this into the mix this is from patrick thanks for the uh, question man and his question is he said he's getting into tying jigs and he's posted around a little bit and some folks are saying they won't they won't throw a jig unless it's got a rubber skirt. And uh, he wanted our opinion on that. Uh, both of uh, uh, Rob and I kind of winced at that uh, comment. And uh, Nick, I'm not sure what you're doing, dude. I think you're probably nodding. You're Mr. Rubber <laughs> rubber Jig over there. But uh, uh, Rob, you, you start, dude. Will you throw a uh, jig with a silicone skirt or do you swear by rubber? I don't know. I mean, I... Um, probably the rubber skirt i mean that's that's what you prefer year round yeah what's that year round yeah i mean i when i throw a jig with with a rubber skirt on it though it's i mean i'm usually flipping and fishing shallow with it yes uh, you, you fish deep yeah. you fish deep with a football head with rubber yeah. on it right well dude i mean dude i've caught a million fish on silicone skirts to be honest i you know, most of the the football jigs i throw are uh silicone skirts oh they are okay yeah and okay. even even a fair amount of the the flipping jigs and casting jigs shallow like I'll, I'll go to that rubber for sure and i like it but um i could definitely live without it i can i could yeah. i could really live without the round rubber the flat rubber i agree with i that. love the yes. round rubber uh can kick rocks man yeah i agree with that because it, it just, just kind of goes it just go it, it, exactly i totally agree with you like an afro, yep. like a nice picked out afro that crawfish is crawling around the bottom and he's like, pow! <laughs> he's like yeah, Bob Ross aggressive. painting trees. <laughs> These are some happy rocks. <laughs> Hilarious. What do you think, Nick? Do you have a preference? I don't know. I'll just echo you guys so I sound smart because I uh, I don't know, man. It. Uh, I'm, I, I don't have the I don't have the opinion to say one way or the other, right? I think it's you know, probably boils down to some confidence, but the round rubber does have uh, some Bob Ross attitude going on with it for yeah, sure. It, to me, it just doesn't, the way it moves in the water, it just doesn't look as nearly as natural, but the silicone doesn't scare me off at all. I, I fished a ton of skirts with silicone and uh, I don't know, you can get so many good vibrant colors and you can mm-hmm. just get so many, obviously you're making your own jigs, Patrick, so that's totally cool. You can do whatever you want. And if you can find the brown rubber, I'm sorry, the uh, a flat rubber, I would definitely tie some jigs with it, 100%. But I would also tie a lot of silicone jigs also. You know, I, um, just stay away from that round rubber, in my opinion. I agree. Right on. Uh, okay, next topic would be recently Abu Garcia has announced they've done a bunch of research and they chose, they voted – on the 100 best places to fish in the U.S. to celebrate their 100th anniversary. Pretty cool. They've been around for 100 years. I'm a huge fan yeah. of their products, as everyone knows. And um, they 
they pulled us about it, their pro staff. They pu- they pulled all their uh, fans on social media. Um, they did a lot of um, they did a lot of research, and they came up with a list. And now every ranking, you know, whether you're looking at power rankings in sports or anything, everyone's got their opinions, and uh, everyone's got differing opinions depending on what you maybe what you know or what you like. But I'm going to read the top ten fisheries, and then. Uh, if anyone wants, you can just throw this into Google and it's all over the place, or you can just go to Abu Garcia's website. But um, the top 10 would be St. Lawrence river at number one in New York, which, I mean, I can't disagree with that. That place is unbelievable. Lake St. Clair, Michigan. That's another one. And both of these are like, everyone knows them for the smallmouth. but dude, what's crazy about these fisheries is they are some of the best largemouth fishing in the country and no one that's how good the smallmouth is no one even knows how good the largemouth are never mind the gigantic musky walleye yeah. sturgeon i mean the fisheries perch they're prolific um eerie same thing red river uh but the interesting thing is this is north <laughs> dakota minnesota so i almost lost my mind when i saw that but i don't know anything about this red river but yeah, Rob, you, go ahead. You see, so the most popular species in the Red River up there is the channel catfish. That's one thing we need to point out. These are not just bass lakes. These are That's good, dude. Yep. Because they have, not to jump ahead, but they have the California Delta, and they have striped bass is the most popular. <laughs> Seriously? Okay. Sure. All right. What All the right. hell right is a striped bass fishery, though, man? So we're going to be off to the Red River in uh, North Dakota and Minnesota channel catfishing. So. Yeah. Don't accidentally go to the other Red River. You'll regret it. You'll regret it. Yeah. You'll, you'll come home without no a lower unit. No offense to anyone in Shreveport. <laughs> no lower unit and very few bass. No doubt. Um, Santee Cooper, South Carolina. That's a uh, definitely a, a great big bass fishery. We talked about that with Dave a little bit a couple weeks ago. Dave Rush. Gunnersville in Alabama. That. Yeah, I'm gonna say. I mean, it's it's its name is historic. It, it's that's that's why it's up there. You know, if you're going off of fishing today, there are a lot of fisheries that I think would deserve top ten over Gunnersville. But for what that lake has been for the last 30, 40 years, I understand. Sam Rayburn, again, you know, this week is is not going to be a great example, but that certainly deserves to be there. Clear Lake, hundred percent. Lake Fork, same thing, and uh, Chickamauga, Chickamauga's getting pressure fishing pressured out of the top 10 and it's just barely yep. clinging on but yeah uh, any of these other ones surprise you guys castaic lake is surprising to me <laughs> that that's another one dude that that's one a, is uh that's 13th not a top 10 but yeah that's yeah, uh that's cool that's very interesting i think that one's going off of history as well huh yeah josh in the top 10 there have you fished everything except for the north dakota red river yeah, that's a that's a pretty spoiled angler right there, isn't it? I, I that's have pretty been on, I've been on all of them. Let's well, let's do, let's go top twenty here. I fished, uh, I think I fished seventeen of the top twenty. That's impressive. And and Devil's Lake, North Dakota, that's one of your home lakes, right, Josh? You're always up there in North Dakota, just <laughs> throttling on the walleye perch and channel catfish. Of yeah, North me Dakota. and Dave Winkleman, we're up <laughs> yeah. there all the time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he can fry some walleye. I don't blame you. I bet he's got a great recipe. <laughs> yeah, don't you know? Got some walleyes. Yeah, we're going to take him to Chris's kitchen. You guys ever see the show? His wife, Chris. 
yeah. <laughs> they cook uh, perch uh, uh, five hundred thousand different ways. They make yes. perch soup. They make perch yeah. this, perch that, perch jerky, perch, <laughs> perch souffle, <laughs> perch sorbet. Yeah, hilarious. So I'm trying to see here. Uh, I know we got listeners all over the country, but so the highest rated Arizona lake is Lake Havasu at 29. I was okay. That's so probably fair. Absolutely, yeah. that's totally fair. Yep. Um, I remember seeing Lake Pleasant higher than it should have been. I think it was higher than Roosevelt. So we have to uh, to get to another Arizona lake. Oh wow, we're all the way on the last page. Lake Mead, seventy six. Um, wow. Let's see here. Maybe that's it. I don't see any other Arizona lake. So it's a shame that Roosevelt at least didn't make it into there. You know, when, when our lower Salt River chains, Saguaro and Canyon were hot, they would uh, deserve top 50 status in my opinion too. But I yeah, just don't. Agreed. I can't believe that Mead, I, that's another one where it's almost just like, just because it's a namesake, like they had to just throw a token West Coast fishery in there and be like, oh. I agree. I agree. Rob, can you hear me? I just lost Nick. Yeah, I, I can I can hear you. Nick, you are got you there, me, buddy. I can hear you guys okay. just fine. Can you hear me? Yep. Sorry, man. It Dude, I'm surprised went. to see Amistad at 21. I haven't heard anything about Amistad. Is Amistad? I think it's on the rebounding. I, I think it's on the rebound for sure. That's it exciting. is coming back. It I is hear it's way better than Falcon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> hey, go to Edwin Evers' uh, YouTube channel if you get a chance, Nick, and see. It, it, dude, obviously things have changed. The throttle him at Falcon, but he he's got a video of catching him catching like 35 pounds on uh, Falcon. Nice. Yeah, it's yeah. it's prime to happen. It just uh, the wrong angler was in the boat for a couple of days. No, back dude, in December. you just had had a bad day, dude. Just like I mean, dude, look at the dudes on Rayburn today that aren't catching them. But I'm sitting here yeah. looking at the list. It's pretty cool. If you go to just go to abugarcia.com and check it out, and they've got an interactive map too, where you can see yeah. like, kind of where these things lay around the country, so you can see the hotbeds where there are tons of lakes. Uh, New Mexico's struggling. They've got zero lakes in the top. <laughs> so sorry sorry for the new mexico listeners you guys have some here's tough fishing go ahead Rob. here's an interesting uh, uh new bullards bar reservoir uh w- world renowned for giant spotted bass and they're not even the most popular species in there it's largemouth smallmouth and crappie that's just, crappie so, edged them out <laughs> yeah edged I mean, out those 10 pound spots if it wasn't for the giant <laughs> spots we wouldn't even know of that lake totally <laughs> totally well your 10 pound spots doesn't hold a candle to my one and three quarter pound crappie fishing but they've got some i mean they've got some some interesting ones that like you you, you see you uh see the name and you go okay i agree like uh green bay is, yeah, is right yeah. where it should be at that's a good yes. one um and you can see where they they took other species too like texoma wouldn't sniff the top 20 for just its bass but it's uh a, a world-class freshwater stripe striped bass fishery so uh, that's a tough list to put together i don't want to i'm oh, not, definitely is. not bashing anyone that did that list no. because like having a of course you're gonna miss some stuff when you or not even miss but you're gonna you're gonna have different differing opinions when it comes to trying to rank lakes to you know based on all types of freshwater With that fish. many species yeah and oh, 100 yeah. is a pretty small number when you're starting to get like the 10 most popular freshwater species in north america that's a that's just bound for some debate 
Seriously. Seriously. Dude, Pyramid Lake showing up at uh, number 94 for the Lahontan Cutthroat Trout. Are you guys familiar with that fishery at all? That place is crazy. <laughs> really? That's where they fish off of ladders, right? Dude, it is. And it's yeah. like, it's an ancient, dude, it was like a sea, like a, a saltwater sea 27 trillion years ago. And then as the continent just did its thing and the climate changed, it became a freshwater reservoir because it got choked off. And uh, that species of trout, the however you say that, Lahontan cutthroat trout, is like prehistoric, dude. That's the only place they live. They've been in there for, you know, since the dinosaurs weren't even around, probably. And yeah, they fish on ladders, man. They sight fish to these like 25-pound trout standing on a ladder. <laughs> Interesting. That's gnarly. That's cool. I, th I think I've heard a little bit about it, but what a, uh, what a gnarly way to fish, dude. And dude fish, it is fish, it. fish burn originated that strategy. Do you remember Seriously? his fishing show? He's standing in the middle of a pond fishing <laughs> off a ladder. No way. Yes. Better angle. Some, yeah, better angle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your bigger shadow. They like that. Dude, That's that hilarious. lake is in the middle of like BFE too. I think it's like kind of north central Nevada. My brother has gone a few times and it takes really? like, yeah, it's like the longest drive ever into the middle of nowhere. And so has he cool caught that. him? Has he caught yeah. him when he's gone? Yeah, so I think he's done maybe four or five trips. And it's been years since he's gone. That kind of no longer, I think, you know, creates any, you know, interest for him. But there was a time where he was really liking that style of fishing. And, yeah, I don't think he's caught any of, like, the – I know he hasn't caught any of, like, 15 to 20-pounders. They get massive. But I think he's caught, you know, fish in the 5 to 7-pound range in the past. That's cool. That and they're gnarly cool. looking, too. They got a big old head on them. They almost look like a pike as much as they look like a trout. They got a big mouth, big head. They're – they're mean looking fish. Did I hear correct? Bull Shoals is number 45. Did I hear? I heard a while back that Bull Shoals was just on fire. Have you Dude, heard it's that, a Josh? great. It's a great lake. You're not going to catch a bunch of giant fish, but that lake is so massive. It's a sprawling reservoir in Missouri and Arkansas. And uh, it's just so big and it's got so many fish in it. You know, I've fished it three or four times, and uh, for largemouth, smallmouth, and spots, it's... Uh, is it similar to Table Rock being downstream? It's, or is it's similar. It's just a little more wild. It's got a few less, mm. like, boat docks and marinas, nice. uh, but yep. the same patterns, lots of lots of uh, gravel points and rocky banks and stuff like that. Very clear water. You can catch them doing a lot of stuff. And then the one interesting thing that Bull has that uh, Table Rock doesn't is the... the it's got more bushes in the water up shallow. So when you got okay. the right water level, the flip bite can be phenomenal. I've actually, which is cool for a clear water lake like that, like where you think you're going to be going throwing a jerk bait and a drop mm -hmm. shot and a little swim bait. You know, if you hit it right, you can go flip 50 fish a day. Um, I've had some great oh. days flipping there, man. Real Western, Western style fishing kind of, huh? Totally. It was yeah. one of the, it's one of the, like, you know, it's right next to flipping Arkansas where Ranger Boats was born. And, and there's a lot of bass fishing cool history, history on that lake, man. Yeah. Some of the first bass fishing tournaments of all time are on Bull Shoals. And that's also like where Ozark takes place, isn't it? I don't know if they ever say if it's Bull Shoals, Shoals specifically, but. No, uh, it's, Ozark was filmed on. Uh, well, yeah, down in Georgia, right? What's but I think it was Lake of the Ozarks is what they tried Right? Lake of the Ozarks, yeah. Okay, just they're trying to yeah. portray Lake yeah. of the Ozarks. What's they're all yeah. that's in the Ozarks? They all look the same. Hey, it makes sense. The show's called Ozark. It probably is Lake of the Ozark. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I assumed. I don't know. Don't excuse my friend. Season. He's a little slow. They'd call it bullshoals <laughs> otherwise. <Yeah. laughs>
<laughs> hey, Rob, I'm going to mute you. <laughs> You're done for the day. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, but cool list. Check it out, guys, at Abu yeah. Garcia website. Um, last thing we'll discuss today uh, for some tips and tactics. We're, we're rolling. We talked a lot about pre-spawn. We, we told you guys about our YouTube video. Um, you can check it out. It's on English Happy Hour YouTube channel. Um, it's posted. It's live now. I don't think it was live when we had uh, recorded last time. So check that out. And uh, we're going to be rolling into the spawn here, guys. So um, we'll run through a little bit of spawn fishing. And then if you guys have questions, it's a great time to send them in. We can address them next week if you guys have questions uh you know circulating fishing fishing around the spawn but we're getting into that time right now in a lot of the country the fish are starting to lock down and get on beds um this is a you know you can't just talk about it for 10 minutes and be done with it but um do you have when it comes to physically like fishing for these fish rob say you've located a fish do you have any any nuggets or tips that you can give listeners that, to make them more effective? Like like you know maybe on how you how you present your bait, uh, how you read the fish, anything like that? Yeah, I mean n- nowadays our boats are um, so well equipped to to manage the boat to to position boat position is probably probably one of the most underlooked things in bass fishing period is how mm-hmm. to control your boat. But today we have power poles or talons. Um, spot gen- lock. Yeah, spot lock. But generally when you're fishing, spawning fish on beds quite often, you know, out West here, it's a little different because we have a lot of, you know, deep reservoors and some of those fish will spawn on steep banks. But let's just say in general, they're in a bay where you can put the poles down. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like if the fish are finicky, um, I want to set the boat up in the right position um, where the fish really can't see you that well. And I, w- I want to study the fish before I make my first presentation. Mm. And I say that when they're finicky, if they're not finicky and they're just chewing on the beds, like, let's go, man, let's get it. Let's get yeah. it in there and see what happens. Right. Yep. But, yep. but let's say we're, you know, second or third day of a tournament uh, after pre-fishing and these fish are just beat up, man. I mean, I've had situations where I'll, I'll put the bait on the bed and back off a little bit just to get, get out of their sight. Um, Mm -hmm. you watch guys like Aaron Martins, he's been doing it for years. I mean, that guy will get so low in the boat. He'll be yelling at his camera guy or his non-boater like lay down dude. Oh sure. And and he's right though. I mean, there's a lot to that. And cause time is everything in a tournament and He's just going to catch that fish quicker if they're quiet. You don't want to screw yeah, it up, so, dude. And like you said, yeah. make him make that fish swim off. If you can, if you can be stealthy and sneak your bait in there and get them yeah. quick, yeah, that's gonna it's gonna save you big time in the long run. And so, as a guide, I feel like um, one, I have to find fish that people can cast to. So, you know, we have these, some of these lakes out here, like Saguaro is a perfect one where you got these big giant flats and grass and you you just you can't screw up the cast right because there's so much room cast past Uh, the bed bring it in yeah but and you said it right there that's the number one thing cast past it and bring your bait to that outside edge of the bed and what i mean by outside the furthest part away from you Mm -hmm. so you have a bed that's the size of a tire right i mean whatever it or a rim on a vehicle that's how big it is Mm -hmm. and a lot of folks just think they get it close and they're good and that fish will sit there and put its tail towards it and never look at it if it's just off the bed yeah i like to go past the bed drop right in the far part of the bed and then you can move the bait and work it through there 
as soon as you get to that far edge, reel in and do it again. I mean, so many bed fish, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of casts on one fish yeah. a lot of times it takes. And, you know, so you're going to read the mood of it. Um, obviously if they're aggressive, they're going to eat it pretty quick or anywhere on the bed. I always tell clients that, um, there's a bed the size of a rim, but there's a spot the size of your fist that that fish can't <laughs> handle it. Totally. That's the sweet and, spot. Yes. And you have to find that. And as soon as you find it, you usually get rewarded with a bite. doesn't mean you're going to catch them, but you know, you'll start getting a fish that's aggressive and spinning around and turning. And so then if you don't catch them at that point, you got to figure out how to trigger that fish to bite. And sometimes you'll bump them with a bait. You got to be careful. So you don't snag them because that's just not totally cool, frowned upon. <laughs> dude, that's so, yeah. so well said so far, dude. And, and um, you know, yeah, you try that first. Like the, the bumping, you hear about so many people talking about hitting yeah. the fish. That is, that's you're you're getting close to last resort when you start getting yeah. to that. Like you're you're willing to let that fish swim away if it has to swim away at that point because yeah. you've not caught them with your stealth approach, right? Yep, yep. So, but you also have to read the fish. I mean, a lot of times there'll be times where you'll you'll bump them and you'll swim the bait out of there and that fish will come up and just smack it. Or you'll do one little thing that's perfect and you have to be able to recognize that to repeat it. Cause it yeah. Ooh, generally like doesn't, that. let's do that again. Let's do that again. Let's get it in there and do that exact same thing again. And um, you know, it can be frustrating as the guide a little bit just because it's, you know, the folks you're taking aren't fishing every day and they're not that precise cast. You got to make a hundred precise casts to get that fish to bite, you know. When you get so, that fish pissed, you can't get back in there too quick either. If you sit correct, there and correct. adjust your bait for 10 seconds and <laughs> look around and, and, and that fish is cooled off that entire time your bait's out of the water. How many times have you been fishing with your buddies where it's just fun fishing and you're dinking around you let him get him get that fish so mad <laughs> one pitch boom <laughs> <laughs> so we never do things like that to each other man it's yeah. it's pure gentleman sport when we're together right, we never right, right. think about you know trying to help someone lose a fish cut their line you know nothing like that ever yeah but i've had some clients catch absolute monsters on beds i had a gentleman he caught one over 10 um took us it took us like two and a half hours to get this fish in the boat. Dude, that's awesome. Like he, and he, it was like the fifth time he bit it too, or she bit <laughs> it. It was just, it was, um, <laughs> it was pretty stressful on my part. But, You're like, okay, dude. Yeah, but he did a good job. He got the fish to bite and we got it in the boat, got some photos and, and got rid of it, you know, released it quickly. But um, w one trip, rem I remember like it was yesterday. It was a husband and wife. It was at Saguaro Lake. It's like a seven and a half pounder on a bed. Fishing was phenomenal. There's big fish everywhere, right? Um, we go in this little teeny cut and there's tulies or cattails, whatever you call them throughout the country. We call them tulies out here. Like laid over a little hole in this giant fish laying in there. And stupid me, I hand her a rod or she was fishing with a rod with like, uh, it probably had six or eight pound fluorocarbon on yeah, it. Yeah, leader on it. She drops that bait in that little hole and this fish immediately bites. One cast. One cast, screaming out of there, drags just flying out of the reel and her husband is yelling, reel, 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 reel. And I'm going, don't reel, don't reel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so funny, dude. I have no idea how she landed. He's just fish. reeling Truly. against the drag because oh, yeah. he's in her ear. 
Oh yeah, it was awesome. But, <laughs> so yeah. That's yeah, the secret is inviting them for forty-five minutes. That's that's where it's at. <laughs> What's that, Nick? I said the secret is for letting them fight for forty-five minutes. That's where it's at. You know, you open the mail. Yeah, listen, watch our last YouTube video. That's the one thing Ryan could have sped up Nick's uh, fish fight by about five minutes. I've I never think he should have it. slowed it down. Did you see that, Rob? I watched it, and I, I think the fish went from uh, <laughs> from a pre-spawn bite all the way to post-spawn during that fight. Seriously, Amen. dude. We could have caught several fish in the time that we waited for Nick to get that fish in. <laughs> Josh is getting bored. He's like, eh, maybe I'll make a cast over here and set the net down. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Hey, when you catch as few fish as I do, you make them count. I was thinking about opening the bale for a while. That fish is still laying on the bottom. <laughs> Well, and I, you know, talking about bed fishing, you know, the, uh, the scented candles, the smooth sounds of Kenny G's saxophone, whatever you can do to get him in the mood, right? You're trying to just warm up the oven. Who yep. are you trying to get into a mood? What, what's going on? Aren't here, they, Nick? dude, they're reproducing. You know, this is fornication time. Okay. All right. Yeah, just leave that one there, man. I'll leave that right there. Yeah. Right. Good point. It, Rob, I think – don't you think uh, he, he nailed it, Nick, as far as just his, his, his approach towards these fish, man, and once, once you pull up onto a fish? Anything yeah. you'd add? I, well, and we've, we've beat it up, but just casting past the bed. You know, if you have the ability to land the bait outside of that and bring it onto the spot, you know, yeah. versus trying to cannonball it straight down and that's kind of the first instinct is to just cannonball right down on it and then you know the the bait ends up landing shy of it because of the angle being off and casting past it's where it's at totally yeah it's amazing how the deeper that bed uh, the farther it's an optical illusion and you have to cast it farther than you think you would normally cast to get it beyond the bed yeah. i mean so many times Oh, okay. Well, just try a little bit further. Try a little bit, a, a little <laughs> yeah. bit further, um, is what you'll you be know telling someone. But the best example that? of that is is shooting carp with a, a arrow. Totally. You've seen those bow fishermen out there. I've done it like a couple times. You really? literally have to shoot two feet over their back to even have a shot of hitting. No arc. kidding, huh. man. Just because of that optical illusion, that water, what it does, it's pretty. That's weird. so weird. That's got to be hard to do. Yeah, it it is very hard to shoot those guys are pretty talented that do that all the time but that's cool um to add to that like as far as presentation goes there's a million different ways that you can catch them um you're always gonna you're always gonna want to look at where this fish is at and and attack it with a bait that you can um sorry my truck turned off kind of crazy i guess if you just idle for an hour straight it's going to turn off together rob and make him tell us about uh where he was going thank god his... oh, hey thank you god are, you guys are still here i literally thought yeah, we were back. in big trouble there with our uh, recording my truck turned off apparently if you just let it idle for an hour straight it it shuts itself off. You're in a fair amount of trouble because I got a photo of you frozen there. <laughs> Dude, so. your face was epic in the phrase. It what did good. I look like? Oh, you're going to see here in a second. I just texted <laughs> it to you. <laughs> Dude, you look so eloquent. You were just yeah. like, you were giving it to us, man. Like Thank Tony you. Robbins, mid-seminar. You look like Sean White on a half pipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here it comes. Oh, my um, goodness. All right. Um, but I was going to talk about presentation real quick <laughs> as I'm looking at this. <laughs> oh, 
hilarious yeah rob dude now you're picking on josh rob you're gonna get cut man i know rob's just gonna disappear i look like uh i look like i'm on one of those political talk shows and i'm arguing with someone across the uh, (laughs) across the way oh that's good all right give us some presentation dog i would just say when you when you pitch into when you pull up to a bed fish you've got to come at it with gear as far as like a rod and reel and line and a hook that can handle that fish in that scenario like there's no better way to catch bed fish than a light line drop shot but you don't throw that at a fish that is surrounded by limbs or grass (laughs) or whatever so the first thing is like hey if this fish does bite on the first cast i've got to be ready because this is my one chance i got to be ready to put this thing in the boat so uh, when i am going into like a heavy bed fishing event or even for just a day of bed fishing i've got a lot of times two versions of different things tied on and i'm not telling you you got to go out there with 20 rods but like if it's a if it's a stick worm like a berkeley general uh and i'm going to florida i'll have like two or three of these rigged up with different weights and different lines and one with one with a straight braid one with you know maybe 20 pound fluoro and then a finesse one with like maybe 15 and a really light weight and uh you know you're just gonna you're gonna start heavy and work your way lighter one of the biggest mistakes i ever made in my tournament fishing past was i uh got lazy i had a 10 plus pounder what i think was a 10 plus pounder on saint john's river that i had found and i was blind pitching it in florida a lot of times you'll find them in practice they'll be sitting in a little hole in the grass and you'll blind cast them first and uh, I had mangled up the bait on my straight braid rod. So I did, I had one with a 17 pound fluoro and I pitch instead of, I, I guess I was in a hurry for some reason. I pitched back in there with a 17 pound fluoro and the fish broke me off and uh, oh. I'll never forget it, dude. I mean, yeah, just, just tally, put that 10 pounds onto my weight in that tournament and things would have, uh, things would have been really different that week. So anyways, like, um, have, you know, make, making sure you're geared up, right. Um, there's no better way in my opinion to catch bedfish than a drop shot. And it's a sh- because you can leave the weight down in the bed and shake that bait repetitively in place. And the whole idea with bed fishing is to a lot of times make that fish angry with repetitive mo- movements. And with a Texas rig, although I do use it, um, it, it, Every time you move that bait, that weight moves and, and eventually the bait ends up off the bed. Well, with a drop shot, you can take sometimes even a three eighths ounce weight, a heavier weight, get that thing sitting in the sweet spot of the bed, wherever you think that may be, and just shake that bait in place until the fish eats it. So drop shot's awesome. And, and you know, I'll do that same thing. Sometimes with a spinning rod, sometimes with a bait caster and heavier line. I Like a 15 pound fluoro, with like a two or three out hook, a short stubby light colored bait and a three eighths ounce weight is a good efficient way to catch uh, bed fish with a bait caster on a drop shot. Like and of it. course, big baits too, you know, like the big bait, same thing, the, the big giant baits, like a big, big giant tube or a swim bait or something. That's a, that's a tool that you can use bed fishing for big fish when they won't react to other stuff. Like, Sometimes those big females are locked on and they're ready to bite anything, but more often than not, they take a lot of coaxing. And if that male's on the bed doing his job and the female's not in a perfect phase, a lot of times you need to do something to get that female interested. 
And if you're just pitching a little bait up on the bed, that female's going to think, okay, he can handle it. I can stay three, four feet off the bed and just sit here. But if you can't get that female to move in close, sometimes throwing a big, giant, ugly bait up there, whatever it is, something, something gnarly will get her to swim in and, and get involved. And, and sometimes you catch them on that big bait. Sometimes you just change their mood, get them really pissed off, and then slide the small bait back in with the bait and switch and catch them. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, as, as a guide, quite often I'll have like a, a big bluegill swim bait uh, tied on a flipping stick without any hooks on it. And I'll just get, I'll use it as the intimidator and then have my client pitch in there afterwards as that Heck female yeah. moves in off the edge. So that's awesome. quite often you'll have a fish just come in and absolutely destroy that thing. And, you know, if your timing's not right on the next pitch, you know, it's, you're back to square one, one square sure. one on the deal, but, but it's uh yeah, there's definitely an intimidation factor when the bait gets bigger. So. You know, another yeah. thing you guys have both taught me about too, talking about like big swim baits and things like that, is those can be pretty awesome search baits too, right? When you're going down a bank looking for beds and you can just make those pitches out there and you know, a lot of times that they, they, they don't eat it, but they'll come up and follow it a little ways and then you can watch them swim back down. And I know with you guys a couple of times that's helped us find, um, it's a, you know, good fish. Totally. It's a great way to find them. And, and, and you get out there on a day where you've got, obviously everyone loves sight fishing on calm, sunny days. You can see fish really easily. You don't need to do that. But man, you even get a five or 10 mile an hour breeze and it throws a chop on the water. That's a awesome thing to do is you take that swim bait you just make 10 or 15 foot pitches even sometimes longer but if you cast too long you, you run into danger from. of not knowing where that fish came from so if you're yep. making a 15 or maybe a 15 or 20 foot pitch in front of the boat um you'll see that fish chase it and you know like okay it came from right there so this area uh, uh -huh. that's definitely the the word of of caution is not to cast it too far because you're going to pull them off their bed Lord knows where they came from and Lord knows when they'll come back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Another point I wanted to talk about too, was the, uh, what you were talking about earlier, Josh, about blind casting the fish that you've previously found. Um, I go all the way back into like the early nineties. I was fishing a red man tournament. Um, I think I was fishing as a non-boater and I was pre-fishing with John Murray and and we go out and we find a bunch of these fish and the next day they're on beds. The next day, John does well in a tournament. I'm like, how'd you catch him? Cause I mean, I just like was a sponge. I wanted to learn everything I could. And he's like, I caught him on a spinnerbait. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I, I'd but, say what? Yeah. But he went back and he, at, at low light, this was on Havasu. It was, you know, fishing, those fish would just eat if you found them. And, um, uh, he went through these areas and caught him on a spinnerbait That's fish cool. that he had found on beds, slow rolled it through there first thing in the morning. But it, I mean, there's, there's so much to finding them and being able to go back and, and, you know, blind cast them. them. Yeah. Cause they'll eat good. Usually if you're, if they don't know you're around. That's you know? where having a good memory serves you well. Yeah. And if you don't have a yeah. good memory, take good notes because like yeah. that's, some of the best bed fishermen I know, Justin's one of them, Lucas, he can remember there's been so many tournaments where we're sitting there debriefing each other after the tournament about how, how it went down. And he'll be like, yeah, dude. And it was, it was one o'clock. And I remembered 15 miles across the lake. I had one four pounder that had looked at my bait the other day and I thought it was on a bed. So I ran over there, made the exact same cast right at that limb. And 
there it is, there it was, swam off and I caught it. Now I had 20 uh, pounds. But like, you know, that's so important. This time of year yeah. when you get a, if you miss a fish or if you think you see one or, or anything, make a mental note and come back to it because you almost, you can almost always come back and, uh, and get it. Looks um, like uh, right. someone's rolling up behind you there, Josh. That's yeah, a, is that the game warden? We got, we got an interesting uh, parking situation here. We're in a cul-de-sac and uh, yeah, there's four bass boats and uh, James is, I think he's just, he's good to go. I just wanted to make sure I didn't have to move, but uh, nice. is he group yeah. A or B? We're all, we're all in group uh, B other than Roy. Roy's out there fishing right now. So, right uh, nice. yeah, we had crappie last night. We had uh, oh, nice. James had caught a bunch of crappie on his home lake Keystone, and we fried it up. Man, it was so good. It makes me want to do it back home. That's have, awesome. Have you guys had fresh crappie? Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah, so I have I've never lived, so, clearly. So we got our our uh, listener, a, a really good buddy of mine for many years, Jim Cook. He wants to come and cook some crappie for us. So awesome, we'll, awesome. Well, we'll we get, gotta get, get him. him to uh, that. Yeah, that would be yeah. that would be really cool, man. Yeah, he's be been awesome. fishing Alamo already a little bit. He said fishing. I think he finished second in some crappie tournament they had out there. So. That's cool. They had a crappie tournament. Yeah. Right before we sat down to do this, I saw a crazy post. Uh, I think it was uh, Justin Welch showed, but uh, out at Alamo, somebody found. Um, a couple of fish that uh, somehow landed on someone's stringer tied to a stick out there with no other story to it. So bass or crappie, stuff like that. Bass, bass. Someone trying to cheat That's with fun. like two pounders. Dude, <laughs> they were what? Yeah. Don't post it. Stake them out. If you ever That's see my- that. That's Keep my it. take. Like, stop the cutting cost. these fish off. Let's... And it wasn't him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was of shared course. from a share. But yeah, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. Put a Whoever game camera up or something like that. If you ever see it, don't need... go blow it up. Keep it, keep no. it quiet. Tell a couple people and catch them on video, and then they'll never cheat again. Trust me. No, nope. no, nope. they won't be around to cheat again. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, well, hey, uh, we've been able to. I think we've been able to pull this off remotely so uh thank you guys for making the time later on a saturday or a sunday here but um my laptop's dying and i'm nervous about my connection people are really starting to move around the cul-de-sac here we got the uh, cleaning (laughs) lady from the house next door (laughs) and uh i think she's she is sneaking out but um Thank you uh, to listeners for tuning in and uh, yeah, keep, if you have more bed fishing questions or just springtime fishing in general, uh, please send them in. Thanks as always for sending the questions in. We'll, uh, we'll get some guests coming, but we've had so much to talk about and we've had uh, pretty busy schedules. Uh, We're spread pretty thin this week. So uh, just thankful we were able to get together and chat again, but thanks as always for listening. Uh, Appreciate you guys very much. And uh, we will be back next week. Good luck tomorrow, dude. Go get them. I need it. Thanks, man. All right. See you.